Well, let's transition into a time of teaching and reading God's Word. If you have this uh, outline in your bulletin, if you would take that out and get it in front of you, have your Bibles open. Um, And as you're doing that, let me uh, ask for kind of some honest confessions here. Uh, How many of you have ever had, at, at one point, at one time in your life or another, a job that you thought was just the worst? Huh? How many of you? Yeah, a lot of you. The worst. You wouldn't have worsted it on your worst enemy, right? But it's something that you had to go to. Well, we this week kind of went online and looked at some of the jobs that were classified as some of the worst. Some of them are just like intriguing. Some of them maybe a little bit humorous or funny. But let me show you just a couple of them. Uh, any of you had to do that? Right? No, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 he does look like he enjoys it. He's having a good time. All right, show me the next one here. Um, you better map out how high that alligator can jump, right? That's, that's what you got to be aware of if you're going to be doing that. Let me show you another one. Um, now that, that is some ingenuity right there, isn't that? Isn't that? Hauling bricks from one place to the other. Uh, here's a fun job that... Um, Hopefully you don't have to be called into. Uh, but let me show you this next one here because I still have not figured out quite what these people are doing. I don't know if that is like the new public restroom or uh, exactly what that is. But um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh, here was an ad. Here was an ad for, for a job. Wanted someone to grind or chew hay for a horse with bad teeth. <laughs> Call James Bud Williams. All right. Uh, The toothbrush says, I have the worst job in the world. The plunger said, yeah, that's what you think, right? (laughs) And then uh, last one, this was uh, from the world, I think, of deodorant testing. Um, But uh, there it is. There it is. And, uh, And you thought your job stinks, right? Ah, yeah, yeah. You know... While your job might not be that bad, I'm sure there are days when you feel like your job can be that bad. Amen? Amen? We, we go through that sometimes. And so whether today you are in the middle of a 50 to 60 hour rat race type of job, or maybe you're in your high school, college years, kind of preparing for a job, or whether you are volunteering right now, maybe you're past your working years and you're getting a volunteer, but it's sometimes it's not fun to work with certain people and it's a little bit stressful at times as well. Or maybe today you're here, you're a stay-at-home parent, which is really a 24-7 type of job if that's what you do. Let's talk about this. Who is the boss? Who is your real boss that you have? And as we're heading into this, let me remind you what the value we are looking at today. It's the value of, repeat it with me, it's the value of what? Excellence. And let me read the value with you. In fact, why don't we read this together, okay? We value excellence. Read, Read it with me. We believe God is worthy of our very best. Therefore... I should exemplify a spirit of excellence, knowing that it honors God, inspires people. All right, remember those words, because that's what we think of this value of excellence. We want it to, to glorify and honor God and inspire other people as well. And so let's relate this and let's see how this applies to our areas of employment, our areas of work. All right. It may uh, surprise you that God has always intended for you to work. 
Now, I don't know if that's a new thought for you, but God has always intended for you to work. Some people will say, um, you know, they thought that because man sinned, that now we work by the sweat and the toil of our brow and we have to plow the fields. And we kind of get this mistaken notion that if Adam and Eve had not sinned, that we would still be maybe like sipping lemonade beside a babbling brook and monkeys would feed us great clusters and we would just have to do nothing at all to to, to live and, and to survive and That's not the way it is. In Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis chapter 2. It talks about work before the fall of man. God always intended for us to work. It was always God's plan that we would work. Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what's the word there? To what? To work it and to keep it. This was before the fall. This was before sin entered into the world. It's one of the first things that God did with Adam. And I believe it was initiated for Adam's benefit to be able to work. Now, what happened after the fall is that work became much more difficult. It became hard. It became Work. Work became work, really, at that point in time. Look at the verse here out of Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve had sinned. Now we hear that cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. In other words, now, you are going to have to work at this. Thank you very much, Adam and Eve, right? And by the way, women, childbirth pains came about because of sin into the world. That was never intended to be work. Um, uh, and, and so now the work becomes hard. The work becomes with the sweat of our brow and thorns and thistles that come out of the ground, and it becomes much more difficult. However, here's the thing about work. Work has always been an important thing because its primary purpose, and you have this on your outline, work's primary purpose is to develop your character. Now that's seen work in a little different way, and I'm not sure if many of us have thought about it from that standpoint. The primary purpose of work is to develop our character. And so whatever work you are doing right now, God does not have you there to earn tips. He does not have you there to pick up a paycheck. God has you there to develop your character. Kind of like the old saying about the carpenter in the house. While the carpenter is building the house, the house is also building the carpenter, right? While you're building your business, your your business is also building you and your character. While you are working and maybe teaching your students, your students are also teaching you, although many times it feels like the students are working you, but, but, but they're teaching you as well. God has always used work to develop your character and to make you more like Christ. 
That's what God's plan is in all of this. So as we work, let me remind you of some general principles that you can put into practice right as you leave from here today, whether you're going to work this afternoon or whether you wake up tomorrow and you're more on a Monday through Friday, uh, nine to five type of job, whatever it may be. Let me give you some very general principles about what God expects and what God gives us in this area of work and then what we need to be doing and, and um, uh, ready to do and to be uh, knowledgeable of as we work. So let let me give you the first part. On the, on the outline, about halfway down, God's part in work, the first thing I wrote down there was God gives job skills. Whatever job skills you have, they have come about because God has given them to you. God gives each of us unique skills and abilities. Look at Genesis, excuse me, Exodus chapter 36, verse 1 and 2. It says, and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence. Now, who put the skill and intelligence in them? The Lord did. It's to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary. Those people shall be the ones who work. So we don't work without God first giving us the skill and the intelligence. And so he has given us each, each of us, unique skills and abilities. And it's not a matter of one person being better than another. It's just that we have different skills and abilities. I mean, you can go throughout Scripture and see how many different characters in Scripture, how many different uh, people uh, in history had also sorts of different jobs. David, before he was a king as an occupation, was a shepherd. We often refer to him as a shepherd boy. Luke, wrote one of the gospels, was a doctor. Lydia was a retailer. It says in scripture that she sold purple cloth. Daniel, the character Daniel in the Old Testament, was a government worker. Paul wrote much of the New Testament, was a tent maker by profession. You know what? Who knows what Amos did? Amos is one of those Old Testament characters. Amos. Anybody know what Amos did? I think I heard it. Amos was a fig picker. Get that. He was a fig picker. Do we have any fig pickers here? Any, any of you majored in fig picking in college? No, no. But if God can use a fig picker, he can use anyone, can't he? Even Jesus had a job skill. What did he do? Jesus was a what? He was a carpenter. Absolutely. Those all come about from God giving us those job skills. Second thing I wrote down there was this. God gives success. God's the one who gives you the success in whatever you do. In fact, read Genesis chapter 39, verses 2 and 3 with me. Look up on the screen or you can follow it in your outline. Read it together. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So the Pharaoh saw, man, Joseph is blessed. He's someone who God has blessed, and so I want him working for, for me. Our work provides us with responsibilities, but ultimately it's God who gives you the success in whatever you do. That is only from God. Let me tell you a third thing, though, that I think God does in this area of work, and that it's God who controls our promotion, okay? God controls promotion. The verse there out of Psalm 75 says, for promotion and power come from nowhere on earth, but only from who? Only from God. And, And listen to this. Please hear this. This is freeing. If you hear nothing else today, this is very freeing. Your boss is not the one who controls whether you get promoted or not. God is in control, amen? 
Ultimately, he is in that place. It is not your boss. And so when you understand that, I believe you will work with a different attitude. And you will understand that when you work with a different attitude, God sees that. I also believe he gives you favor because other people see that as well. I believe that will make you more appealing to someone when you're not trying to please them. You're not trying to suck up to them. You don't work to impress your boss. You work to impress the boss, right? Right? And that's not Bruce Springsteen for those of you who are 80 musical fans, all right? You work to impress God and God alone. Remember, God is building your character. Even if right now you are unemployed, God is building your character in the midst of that. It's not just about point A to point B. Do I have a job? Do I not? Am I getting a job? It's about the journey that God has us on. And you're working for God. There's a verse um, that has been in my office for years. I used to have it up on my bulletin board across the way. And let me read it to you. It's at the bottom of your page. It's Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I would not be a servant of Christ. Who am I trying to please? Now, you may be saying, Pastor Brad, you do not know my job. You do not know the boss I work for. He is a hard, hard man. Look, I'm not saying that you have to stay in some sort of a dead-end job. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that you may not be able to control your environment, but you can control your attitude in the midst of that environment. You can control what is happening around you. You can't necessarily control what happens to you, but you can control the response and how you work with things. And so where God has you now, excel at it. Work hard at it. Work as though you're working for God because God is going to be your boss at the next place you work as well. Amen? He's not only your boss here and now, it's someplace else. Don't run around thinking, well, when I get that certain job, then I'll be happy. Or when I get this promotion, then things are going to work out well. Or if I don't have to work with a certain co-worker, that that's when life is going to get good and then I'll work right. No. Be used right where you are at because the Bible says when you are faithful with the little things, you'll be faithful with what? The greater things. You know, I think of uh, someone like Israel Martinez, who we commissioned a few weeks ago, um, starting up a new church down in South Stockton. He, uh, remember what I told you about his, his church and, and, and him personally, he's one of our head maintenance and landscaping guys. Uh, he, he, as he is blowing the leaves off the sidewalk, as he's preparing and cutting the grass, as he's seeing parents come and drop their kids off at our school, he didn't just say, you know what, I'm doing this work to cash a paycheck and check the clock and get that all right. He used his job to pray for those students as they come. He used his job to pray for the parents as they were dropping their kids off at the school. That is someone who says, I'm a part of a bigger picture here. I'm beautifying the Lord's grounds, this church, so that God can be glorified. And I'm not just going to do that, but I'm going to be praying as I do that. I believe that's one of the reasons God put his hand upon Israel and said, Israel, I have other things for you as well. Come, start this church. I'm calling you out. And Israel has said, yes, that's the kind of servant I want to be. When you have that kind of an attitude, you make a difference in your workplaces. You make a difference in your life and in other lives as well. So let me, uh, let me flip over to the backside. 
Because we look and we say, okay, God, your part is you get the skills, you get the success, you get the promotion. Does that mean we don't have anything to do? No, we have plenty to do. We just need to get our mind frame correct as we do it. And so let me read the top point in our part and work. It's to remember that we are working for the Lord. In everything we do, it's working for the Lord. Not for people, not for your boss, not for others. You are working for the Lord. And I think the next point is going to come up there on the outline so you can get that. There we go. Remember, we are working for the Lord. In fact, look at the verse out of Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the who? Lord Christ. That's who you're serving. The most important, understand this, the most important question you can ask yourself every day when you begin work is, who am I working for today? Who am I working for? Am I working for my boss? Am I working for my wife? Am I working for my husband? Am I working for my kids? Am I working for the customers who come in? No, remember, you are working for the Lord. And perhaps some of you need to take this verse and put it up on your desk or on your bookshelf or your place of employment or at your teller station or wherever it may be or if you're in your car lot and when you get phone calls or your boss is right in front of you and he's letting you have it, you can just smile at him or her. You can just turn and glance and look at that verse and remember, I'm not working for this blowhole hard. I'm working for God. That's who I am working for. Look over the shoulder of your boss as they are just spitting and firing darts into you and just smile and see Jesus on the other side of that and say, it's okay. It's okay. You're working for me. You're working for me. Maybe you have to put up with some of this, but if you know you're honest, if you know you have integrity, if you know you're doing your very best, you are then working for me. Because as I look at it, you can see the box there on your outline. There are three motivating factors to work. None of these are bad, but some are going to help you more than others. Three motivating factors. The first one is this. There's an external factor of a reason why you probably go to work. That is, you work for your paycheck. Or you work to take that trip with your family to Hawaii. Or you work so that the creditors won't put you in jail. Right? Any of those, okay? Many people will go their whole lives and just work for these external motivations. It's okay. You you can do that. Let me give you a second, though, motivation that I think many people have. And that is we work for an internal motivation. In other words, we work because it brings fulfillment to us. It makes us feel good. It brings us a sense of satisfaction. Maybe even it raises our self-esteem so that we can be a part of something. And again, that is okay. Those motives, the external and the internal motives are good. But if you really want to carry through your work, if you really want to carry through life and the ups and the downs and the ups and downs of every career and every employer will have being employed, if you want to get through those times, then when the crisis comes, I think you need to go to one further step. And we see this illustrated in the Old Testament with um, King Solomon who in his life faced a lot of ups and downs. He was classified as one of the most successful workers ever. Look at what it says out of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This is Solomon kind of writing about some things of life. He says, I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. But I hated life. 
Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after when NIV talks about all of life is meaningless. It's meaningless. It's meaningless. It goes on and he writes, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. He says, man, this is just meaningless. So how do you get through that? I mean, you see the words there. His work is a vexation. Some of us feel that. We work and we have this frustration that we go through. Look at what he does. He goes beyond the external. He goes beyond the internal motivations. And he goes a step deeper. He goes to a sense of eternal motivation. Eternal motivation. Why am I doing this? To make a difference in life. I'm doing this because I'm serving God. I'm serving the Lord. And making a difference for eternity. In fact, you know what Solomon concludes? Look here in Exodus chapter 12, 13. He says, here's the end of the matter. All has been heard. I've looked left, right, north, south, east, west. Here's the answer. Fear God keep his commandments for this is the whole duty this is the whole work of man fear god have a loving reverence for god in this life a holy reverence he is on his throne fear him in that place the holiness of god and follow his commandments that's our duty that's our responsibility and we do that on the good days we do that on the bad days We do that. That's what gets us through life. Knowing that, God, you are doing something in my midst. And and again, if you are a stay-at-home mom or dad, that that is such a high calling. I remember some of those days when my wife would uh, go to work. She worked part-time as as a nurse when our children were kind of young. I remember a few times when our kids would just be, you know, throwing up. In fact, one time I remember one of my kids threw up three times before noon. We had some little activity that afternoon. Threw up a fourth time at the party. You know what that's like, right? My other child was going on the other other end and and it was just a wild time i finally got them down for a nap finally got i remember it was around halloween time because i finally got them down for a nap and i went and chose a few little candy bars because i feel like i had a good day you know the halloween candy right right and the dog vomits in the middle of the yard i mean it is one of those days we go through right In fact, I love what Tony Campolo's wife, Peggy, says about this. She was at a party one time, and she felt like she was getting ganged up on by these career women, right? And Peggy explained, you know, she had her PhD, and she had been in the working world herself. But she said that they were almost like looking down on me. They were talking about all their achievements. One of them was was a lawyer, and one of them was a doctor, and one of them was a university professor. She said like they they like turned on me like sharks, and they said, and what is it that uh, you do? And she was, at that time, a stay-at-home mom, and she'd given up her career to raise two children, and so she takes a deep breath, and she says, well, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition so they can participate in the beautiful, glorious eschaton that can be revealed to us in the New Testament of God. (laughs) 
And they were like, whoa, that's more important than what we do. Wow. Right? I mean, when we work, we do. Our real boss is God. And if God has laid that upon your heart to do it, then do it. Whatever place he has put you in, do it. Because you know you are serving God and God alone. You're not trying to impress other people. You're serving God. And so when you work, let me give you the next fill-in. When you work, I want to encourage you, work hard. Work hard. Do it well. 2 Corinthians says, But with toil and labor we work night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. In other words, Paul's saying, We're going to do this with excellence. And we hope that when we work with excellence, you can see that and understand that, and that would bring you up to another level. And so let me say this very honestly. Christian workers should be the best workers in your field. Christian workers should be the best. Our work ethic should never be equated with laziness and mediocrity with God. We should never bring that into God's, God's realm. In fact... If you are a poor worker, do the rest of Christendom a favor and don't say you're a Christian, please. All right? Now, I know that might be stepping on a few toes, but you know what I mean. That if you're a lazy worker, don't associate that with God. Don't even associate that with First Baptist Church. All right? We, we should be the best workers. If someone sees that You go to First Baptist, if someone sees that you are a Christian and you have professed the name of Jesus and you have been baptized and you are following him, they should clamor at at getting you to be in their workforce. They should come to you and say, I want you to work for me because they know that you will be honest and you will will keep your deadlines when you say you're going to do deadlines. They, They will deal. That's why I'm so pleased with what Scott even said up here. He said, you know, I was disappointed that we didn't get to finish our work. We want to be a good witness. And so we as a church want to be a good witness. We want to follow through if we don't finish something. People should know that if you are a Christian, you're going to know how to deal with conflict in the workplace, honesty and integrity and gripe up and go to people who can solve, not backbite, not talk behind people's backs. People should know that you're going to pray for them. If you are not praying for your coworkers, your coworkers are missing out on something. Your workplace is missing out on something. This last week, I know, was a tough week for, for many of us. Um, we came aware of the news on Wednesday that a hostage situation was in place. And um, around our office staff, uh, we became even more involved with the situation because we had learned that it was a gal that we all know. Um, Misty, the one who was uh, tragically killed, uh, was the office receptionist for the dentist that many of our um, staff go to. Dr. Lester Lowe is one of the members here at First Baptist Church. Wonderful, godly man. Um, And uh, she was his right-hand person. As I talked with Lester on the phone the night of, we were um, just talking and obviously could not make sense out of the situation. There are no answers, really, other than sin and selfishness and stupidity and dumb decisions that people make. And so Lester and I prayed together, and he said, hey, you know what, would you come tomorrow morning? We, we've, we've canceled all of our appointments tomorrow, and I've just called the office staff in, and we're just going to talk. We're just going to spend the day together. Would you come in and, and just pray for us? And so I said, I'd be honored to. And so I was able to go and sit with the office staff and remember Misty, and, and, we, and we talked about our life. We, we laughed together. We cried together. We prayed together. 
Just, just gathering in that reception room that so many of us have walked through, circled hands. Let's just say, let's just circle up and, and let's pray. We've had chaplains who are involved right here from First Baptist as well in that situation. You know, work can be tough. It can be difficult. You want to do it the best of your ability. You also want to give the glory to God. You want to do it as though you're doing it for him. You want to pray because you don't know the situation you're going to find yourself in that day. And so whatever situation you're in, work and work hard. However, the next point I also want to emphasize, and that is we should be hard workers, but, but do not overwork as well. Do not overwork. Your hard work needs to be balanced with other priorities in life. Please hear this. If your job or your career is demanding so much of your time that you're neglecting your relationship to God, or you're neglecting your relationship with your family, or you're neglecting your physical and emotional well-being, then you're working too much. And you need to back down from that. Because the last I checked, commandment number four was still one of the Ten Commandments. And it says, you better keep the Sabbath day holy out of Exodus chapter 20. That's one of those commandments that God put in there to check us to say, yes, I expect you to do work with excellence, but I don't expect you to overwork. I expect you, in fact, he put that in there so we can be even better workers as we rest And then go back the next week and work hard at what we do. Finding balance. Building margin. But also working with a passion. Renewing that passion and having that passion come out in how we work. In fact, there's a a pastor colleague that I heard tell a story a number of years ago about a time that he and his wife were in Pacific Grove. And they kind of ducked into one of these little bakeries, that kind of a small hole-in-the-wall kind of bakery. It was just a little bakery run by an older gentleman who was an Italian guy who ran the bakery. And, and you can just tell that he was having a great time. And he's kind of popping bread and now those conver- uh, commercial ovens. He's whistling and he's singing and he's got these Italian songs going in his head and it's coming out and he's taking the register and he's interacting with the customers. And kind of one of the, the pastor colleagues stepped up and said, you know, you just look like you enjoy your job. That is so great to see. And the guy kind of looked back at him like, watch how you talk to me, you young whippersnapper guy kind of stepped back like this a little bit and he said love of my job love of my job this is not a job this is life and he kind of had this you know like this soup nazi if you remember those days kind of this soup nazi kind of kind of thing he said this is this is life he said he said let me let me read you a poem that i've written he took out this poem kind of all crumpled up on this piece of paper you know that he had written it a long long time ago and he had read it off and here's what he said when he read the poem he said, he said, be gentle when you touch a bread. Let it not lie uncared for, unwanted. So often bread is taken for granted. There's so much beauty in bread. Beauty of sun and soil. Beauty of patient toil. Winds and rains have caressed it. Christ often blessed it. So be gentle when you touch bread. And he's like, he's like kind of, he's weeping like at the end of it, right? Because he's got so much passion and tears in his eyes. 
for what he does. And I thought about that story. I thought, you know what? When was the last time you saw someone care that much about the work that they did? And we're not talking, I mean, this person wasn't like a surgeon or a missionary. He baked bread. And he was convinced that the best job was baking bread. In fact, he... I, I, he convinced me so much so that I'm announcing today I'm resigning from pastoring and I'm going to go now bake bread for a living. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Cheap joke. No, I'm not. I'm not. But, but I love the passion of somebody who says, what I am doing, I'm going to do it so well. So passionate. In fact, would you read this verse again? We've, we've gone over this verse, one of the key verses that we had here today. But Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24. Would you read it with me? Because this really emphasizes again what I'm wanting to communicate about how we work. Read it with me. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. First Baptist, we should be the best workers in our fields. You should be the top employee with relationships and caring about other people and doing your best because you're not doing it for your boss. You're not doing it for the customers who come in. You are doing it for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.